everyone, we're back. Like we never left. <laughs> back with my my departed soulmate who left uh, me here in California, Duncan Trussell. Hello, everybody. Hi, Raghu. Good to see you. Sorry I'm for... here, man. Yeah. Well, we left. Everyone left everybody this year, didn't we? Like, that's what I realized in LA was oh, I'm not seeing anyone. Like everyone's zooming. Yeah, what's right. what's what's the idea? What? Who cares? Where we could be? I could be on Mars. Wouldn't make much of a difference. Yeah, right, right. And that's true. Although hopefully we're heading in the right direction, but Pollyannish kind of maybe thinking. But Aaron has given up in the sense of like she's she's noticing that I have been saying every few months. I think this is the end of it. And she's like, come on, Duncan, you just keep saying that. Eventually, you're going to be right. Hmm. Eventually, we will be right, all of us. Uh, but it won't be. There is no back to normal. So because normal is gone right now. Well, that's to me that you mentioned that yesterday on the phone. Hmm. But that's a funny thing to even talk about is like that idea. Our, the normal before the pandemic wasn't normal. The nor You know what I mean? When was it normal? Like at what point was were were things back to normal? You know, like you go back. Some people say 2012. Actually, they were right because if you look at the world after 2012 and before 2012, two completely different worlds. Because prior to 2012, that's the you know the internet is in more of an embryonic phase. You trace that back to pre cell phone. You know when answering machines were high tech. When was it normal? All I'm saying is like, at what point was this normal? How do we go back to normal? Yeah. That is absolutely 100% true. You know, but I'm thinking, though, is uh, for everybody out there, Duncan now has two small children. And, uh, and I've got a couple of other friends, uh, mutual to Duncan and I, that are part of the community that have uh, either getting another one or already have uh, a couple. And every time I'm with, I was just with uh, our friend John Fanoff the other day. He's, you know, he's having a new baby coming along as well. Yeah. And I said, I think I must have said something about the, yeah, there's no going back to the normal, the, what's the new normal. But really it led me to start thinking about the way in which you guys particularly need to nurture these children in a way that they're going to have a uh, a planet that is livable. Let's start there. And, uh, and they're the hope, right? You are raising the hope for mm. humanity. Wow. Right? That's cool. Yeah. Is it not true? A lot true? of pressure to put... You know what's so funny is... Uh, I remember asking Ramdas about uh, some, you know, schmaltzy question about how do I be a dad? And his response was, I'm having, you know, my son. I said something about my son. He's like, first of all, remember, it's that's the role. That those are all roles. You know, son, role, dad, role. He was so good at breaking it down. Mm. And so, and that little bit of magic that you just cast there and that spell. We've created a role, haven't we, for my son? 
which is savior of the known world. Yeah. And also we've created a pretty intense role for me, which is to some kind of like, I've got to like tend to the Messiah over here. And um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, like I've got to raise a Messiah yeah, now, Raghu. Yeah. I got well, to raise- Well, no, two of them though. Now, you know, you keep just referring to one, but there's yes, two. two. I boys. know. You know what? I'm sorry. Yes. Dune is still in, um, you know, uh, the, the, yes. Yeah, he's still beaming down and it's mm. beautiful. Mm. But both of them, you know, I think maybe part of um part part of the shift is figuring out ways to let our children be themselves outside of our expectation. It was hard enough. Fuck, my dad wanted me to play football. Now I'm going to want my kids to save the environment. You know what I mean? Like, gee, in football, I wasn't going to do. And certainly, God knows, the la- if you really do want your children to be this thing or that thing, don't act like it. You know what I mean? They'll both yeah. end up well, being okay, like no. lumberjacks. Yeah, no. Okay, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about what I hear <laughs> spraying away the uh, what? <laughs> you know what's so funny about this? spray that I just sprayed is yeah. uh what is it this was in the bathroom of our old house and you would spray it after you poop uh and now every time I spray it it just reminds me of poop because <laughs> of the two have paired in my mind <laughs> yeah right that's great no what I'm talking about is the what his holiness has said repeatedly the Dalai Lama over the years over many many years and that is Humanity will be saved by our mothers, Mm. okay? He said, I am, as you see me, I am as I am as a result of my mother's loving compassion. And the more that uh, that can be expressed as we go forward, then uh, that is what's going to be he didn't say saving grace, but that is what is going to be the deepest affection, uh, affectation rather, on our uh, on everything: the polarization, the planet, the discrepancy of uh, rich and poor. All of it is by virtue of this development of compassion. So that's really what I'm talking about, and that is really what is happening um, in your little sphere and in the spheres of some of the other people that um, we're quite friendly with. So I think that, uh, I mean, that is, look at him. It's obvious, right? He is an obvious yeah. example of, the, of, of what got passed on to him by his mother, the compassionate, loving kindness. So, yeah, mm. I think that's what we're talking about. More well, than trying to groom somebody to be the greatest environmentalist that ever lived. And uh, no, it's just uh, compassion, love, awareness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, 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 so far, I have been a- attempting to, I, I just go back to like Chogyam Trumpa talking about uh, the gift, you, the best gift you can give your kids is to be fully in the moment with them. Mm. So when I'm with Forrest, I try to stay off the phone and I try to just be, and it doesn't work a lot of the time. You know, it's hard to be in the moment 
with with a, a, a toddler, yeah. you know, because like you got to keep them from killing themselves or you're running in front of a car. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's also not hard because they invite you into that yeah. realm, where yeah. the new, the realm of novelty. Everything's new and it's beautiful. And uh, and from their perspective, the world is not fucked up. From their perspective, the 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 world is perfect and and wild and new. And um, so, yeah, I, you know, for me, I, it's some kind of elemental practice as much as I can of being in the moment. And then also of like um, trying to practice something Trudy Goodman told me when I was telling her uh, Aaron and I had been fighting and feeling really guilty about that, fighting in front of him, mm-hmm. which happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's just, but but not trying to like make excuses for getting in fights in front of the kids, but and Aaron and I discussed it. Should we hide fighting from him? Should we have our disagreements in, like when they've gone to bed? And uh, but what Trudy said was, it's not the fighting. They need to see you make up. Mm. It's learning that conflict happens sometimes, arguments sometimes, you know, uncomfortable. Sometimes not good arguments happen, but if they can see that resolution happens, then they're going to learn it's not the end of the world to get into conflict with somebody. And it's not, and it's just part of being alive and living with people. Because I think that's one of the things that some people had to deal with the fact that their parents were miserable with each other, but were never fighting. They didn't know what was wrong or what was going on that was being hidden. You know what I mean? Whereas like seeing conflict and then it's hopeful resolution. I think that's something we can teach our kids. Yeah, but no, you know, again, for me, as far as um, any of the utopian bullshit aside, it's it, it one of the brilliant things Trump or Rinpoche said that I also hold close to my heart is whether you whatever your ism may be, you know, socialism, communism, whatever your particular utopian path forward to global harmony if you really want to impact the planet then find a way to be harmonious in your own house and that to me was a summation of it all the e equals mc squared of what i think a lot of the environmentalists who are rightfully upset and rightfully freaking out uh are looking for which is it's it's not enough to ask for the collective to do something. Mm. We need a pragmatic methodology that on the subjective level, the yep. individual can utilize in the moment and day to day, which is, okay, you fucked up. You got in a fight. You got something, you and your wife or your brother and your sister or whatever, having disagreements. Okay, that's the world. That's the world. You're just experiencing the world because that's what's happening on the macro. Okay, well, that's great. Because that means you're like a little beaker. You're all the troubles of the world in, 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 in this tiny little pixel. Now, what can you do to har- yeah. harmonize this? And, and, you know, not to keep, I'm going to stop this right now, but what I've noticed is uh, there, there is, it seems to be that trying to be right just doesn't seem to be a very, <laughs> not good <workable>. strategy yeah. <laughs> when yeah. it comes well, to finding well harmony yeah. i know i know and righteousness is the is the 
is that the last thing that goes, I mean, one of the last things that goes. But you know, I think I told you when we ta- chatted the other day uh, that I had done a podcast with uh, people who are deeply involved with uh, uh, environmental activism. And, uh, they have a thing called full ecology. It's, a, it's, a, it's worth listening to, actually. And, but their thing was... And, and this goes along with everything in terms of the tradition that we come out of uh, through Ramdas's lens. You've got to work inside yourself to yeah. think that you can add anything to any issue. And they went on about this because, and it really made sense about the way in which we are dealing with ourselves and the way in which we are relating with ourselves has so much to do with how we relate to the most simple of things, like what's going on in our uh, in, in our a very very closed environment, and how how are we l- just looking at everything that we do from moment to moment? The way we might ignore something, we ignore that inside ourselves. We are ignoring and not paying attention, yes. and then we're ignoring and not paying attention outside ourselves. Yes, it, it's such a. I, I loved it because it really was so holistic, right? Yeah, I yeah. I mean, this is the the. I, I think, and again, I, I have had some environmentalists on my podcast mm. who are legitimately terrified. And so mm-hmm. I, underst- I understand, you know, like people who work, work at NASA and understand how, you know, the like the structure of carbon and like the tragedy of that f- shape in relation to the planet and the like, you know, the the kind of fear you can only get from like deeply looking into a thing and also the passion behind trying to get people to change mm-hmm. you know in 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 the in the real legitimate anger and frustration when you realize like nobody's changing like i'm telling them exactly what is like the culmination of not just my own lifetime of research but the culmination of like the lifetimes of so many different scientists and this is wasn't this why we wanted science isn't this why we wanted we wanted science so we could say look we have to change and if we don't you don't understand you know but no nobody's changing and and so why what's the problem here and i think the one of the problems is is that in in the messaging of oh yeah you don't even understand like right now if we just stopped Every single one of us stopped emitting carbon. We're still fucked. See, that's part of the message. It's like, oh, no, you don't understand. Like, we're fucked. <laughs> like, it's we're fucked. And then, so in that messaging, you, you're suddenly, you feel completely disempowered. And humans are all about power. There's no more, there's no point. So then at that point, we sink into nihilism or denial and then and not so nothing happens so the the idea is we've got to find a way on the subjective level for people to feel that their positive participation in the world is a, more than just pissing into the ocean and otherwise forget it there's nothing's going to happen you know and so i think that a lot of people are working on those fronts in a lot of mm-hmm. different ways which yeah. is we need to get people to actually really understand how powerful 
they are as an individual uh, and not in some bullshit way, but you just don't know. The problem is you don't, you really can't understand how deeply you're impacting things around you, um, which is something I've been very interested in lately, you know, studying quantum physics and the uh, craziness that's happening in the, on the quantum level of the universe. But from a perspective, an ecological perspective, um, uh, it's, it's a really interesting thing, you know? I, anyway, the point is, I think what Ramdas was so good at is he, because, sorry for this tangent, but we are the quantum level of society. You know, you're a quark. I'm an electron, you know? Air, you know, Aaron's a neutrino or whatever. But the point is, we're all part of this beautiful supersymmetry uh, called society. And uh, we're witnessing the symmetry in the things that appear on the world stage. The big, the calving of the ice sheets, the wars, the appearance of demagogues or tyrants. That's the supersymmetry, the manifestation of the collective in the negative. But the implication of that is that the opposite is also possible. And that's where you get a Ramdas. That's where you get a Dalai Lama. That's where you get a Neem Kroli Baba, which is that if there's these tyrant possibilities and war possibilities, then the opposite must also yes. be true. Yeah. That's part yeah. of the symmetry. Yeah. And if it's yeah. not true, then we're doomed anyway. Mm. But I, you know, we're doomed because it's endless war forever until the environment collapse, collapses. But I just, where there's a thing, it's opposite must exist. Yeah. So yeah. my point is, we have to find a way to engage people in an optimistic worldview that isn't delusional. Mm -hmm. And I th think that what you and I have been discussing over now, it's going on to a couple, three years, this whole thing about the complete gr uh, grasping and belief in the me that we live with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, uh, you know, I do think it's a really great way to start a conversation along the lines of what you have just mentioned. Um, how do we create, uh, help to create a space of optimism, subjective optimism, where we believe that there is a way to positively f affect uh, all of these different, um, very difficult situations from the environment to the racial injustice to the uh, inequities, economic inequities and all of it. And uh, I came across, I think I told you this the other day, I came across a talk by Krishnamurti yeah. who happens to live around the corner from me right now. I mean, his <laughs> vibration, it's yeah. his Krishnamurti Center here in Ojai. And uh, this talk was with a, I don't know what denomination he was. He was a priest. They never said, there was nothing on the YouTube thing that suggested who he is or who he was, whatever. And uh, we'll, we'll put up a link, though, with it in the show notes here so people can watch it themselves. But I, I did, there were some fabulous things. The, basically, the whole thing started out with, um, is, it com is it possible to completely empty the mind of the me? 
That was the premise, right? Is it possible? So they, we can sort of pick this apart a little bit and add our own thing to it. Um, Is there a process to rid the quote unquote me? And you know him. I mean, if people, if you don't, if you have not ever heard Krishnamurti or read any of his things, he was really a spiritual maverick in a way. Uh, He just he put down all of it, and there's a. Oh, God, I guess I got to tell this story. Um, Krishnamurti used to travel in the foothills of the Himalayas where uh, Neem Karoli Baba was. Yeah. And where we spent a lot of time with him in a place called Kenchi. And so they knew each other. And one day he came to the ashram and our mentor, Casey Tuari, who we're just finishing a, a wonderful documentary film on called Brilliant Disguise, because he was really a powerful yogi as a, yeah. dressed as a school teacher, a, a, a headmaster of a school. So he happened to be there this one day that Krishnamurti came. And uh, he, uh, Maharaji said to, to uh, Tuari, Okay, I'm going to take him over to the river. You, you get, you know, just get a little, a little bit away, you know, and but you'll be there. So he sat on a rock, and Krishnamurti and Maharaji sat down. Krishnamurti started uh, regaling uh, Neem Karoli Baba Maharaji, saying, "What you're like a, a wandering mendicant sadhu." What are you doing with all these ashrams? Look at all this attachment that you've created. Like that. Not exactly those words, but pretty much. And, you know, Maharaji said, you're right. You're absolutely right. But it's the way I get my grub. That's how I get my grub. (laughs) Yeah, that's cool. And then you looked at Krishnamurti and you said, gee, don't you go around the world? giving talks yeah. and lectures and yeah. that's the way you get your grub, right? Yeah. <laughs> so they had this phenomenal conversation, right? So uh, Krishnamurti, who did not believe in gurus or anything like that, this yeah. was, you know, he was the bottom line. He made Zen seem like a wild bhakti fest, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what he said here is that there is no process to eliminate the me, right? Everybody, and then he started to describe the me is everything that is going through that brain is the me. And mm. he, he said, uh, it's a, he, so he gets into it a little bit further and he says, um, if I, if I, he said, if I say by, by me, and I'm going to throw that me out. It's still that me throwing the me out. So this is where he goes, you know, with um, can the conscious mind examine the unconscious me and expose it? Mm. I pose that to you. Can the conscious mind examine the unconscious? So awareness, you know, brings in the whole of the, the Buddhist concepts of mindfulness and awareness uh, can it, you know, expose that? You know, mm. can it? 
and uh, all right, you you get a first crack at it. Oh well, the the discussion of me is 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 really interesting, and it and it has popped up with some friends also as we're, we're talking about the whole me thing. Oh yeah, um, yeah, because well, one of my, I was having a conversation with one of my friends. Uh, they were asking something along the lines of. I feel like I'm too afraid to jump into the abyss. And it reminded me of a question I asked Ramdas in one of the retreats. I just put it in a different way, which is like, you seem like someone who jumped off the diving board and I feel like I've camped out on the edge. <laughs> and he got this big smile and he said, there's no diving board. <laughs> Remember that? There's no, no jumping. There, it's all a, it's all a, you know, you're creating the structure you're creating that in your head. And, and the, the abyss one, we were laughing about it because I was, you know, that saying like, when you look at the abyss, the abyss stares back. <laughs> and I was thinking probably the abyss is looking at you thinking, fuck, look at that scary abyss. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. That's a terrifying abyss. Yeah. And it like, so in the conversation of, of me, Really, it's it's a kind of like sweet thing in the sense that you're excited to imagine that you're encumbered by this thing. You know, it's because if you are encumbered by the thing, well, it must be real, right? And and then if it's real, then I must have some solidity. And then if I have some solidity, I've got a me. Yep. You know, that's the whole, that's a the whole thing. separate me, yep. Right. Yep. So no matter which way you, you go at it, which is the... Um, I've got to get rid of my me mm -hmm. or I'm going to be me. You know, it, both of these things, if the central premise is, well, what the fuck is the me? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to give you his his definition of the me. Okay. The me is the entire conceptual ideation of oneself. Mm. It's the content of my the entire content of my consciousness thinking mind emotions feelings all of it all the okay. senses it's the entire content and as long as the content of my consciousness remains there will be separation between you and me and that is the key i, I mean when i heard this i was like okay that's the key of what you and i have been talking about in terms of what there's nothing that can happen in any way. And I mean just simple things like being happy, being in happy, uh, being able to be in a relationship, not just with a, a, a wife or husband, but in relationship to people. Nothing can happen until this is transformed. And now it just, you know, and it doesn't happen. And I, I like what he said that the idea that um, there's a process, like that's how we've been talking, you know, when we've been putting together the ideas for the from the yeah. movie of me to the movie of us. We've been talking as if there there's a, a starting process and an ending, pro you know, there's an end, there's a beginning and an end. And what, what he's saying, uh, which is really fascinating, it is not about process at all. It yeah. is about perspective. That's how he ends up with this thing. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, I do think it's fun. Like, I think that's kind of one of the cool and infuriating things about Krishnamurti is like, 
you know, he he's he really does make himself out to be some kind of authority. And and he seems he's so charismatic. But it's like, okay, well, that's just because you said that's what the meat was. Like Well, wait, no, no, no. I mean, we have our own experience. Is you're not is not your experience that the content, the story you tell yourself is content, the way in which you look at other people and project them to be one thing or another based on uh, memories or whatever. Yeah. That's all true. But right? it's kind of like Krishnamurti drawing a circle like in the sky. That's the sky. It's like, you know what I mean? It's I, I do feel like it's a funny, I, I you know, this is from my own ex- exploration of the me stuff, playing around with Chogyam Trumpa Rinpoche, who there's an, another like wonderful encounter between Krishnamurti and Trumpa Rinpoche where Krishnamurti's doing his like thing. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to take sides in something because both of these are like what I'm looking at. I'm like, so what is this where, where, where spirituality was in those days? Was this what it was like? Cage matches between spiritual superstars confronting each other over like this, this stuff. <laughs> yeah, cage uh, you know, even with even with like young Ramdas and um, Trump or Rinpoche, these two young spiritual stars. And it's like, what's going on here? Like these confrontations between, you know, I'm going to go to Neem Crowley Baba and say, you shouldn't be doing this thing. It's like, because of so many stories of this with Krishnamurti, I have a, though I do have a lot of respect for him, his intelligence, his intellect. Mm, I always get a, I get an empty feeling from him, not in a good yeah, way. Just yeah, kind of like, what, what you are mean. you in all, what are you like, some kind of spiritual arm wrestler going around from <laughs> ashram to ashram trying to get like in some embarrassing ego competition with spiritual teachers? It's an embarrassment. And because of that, for someone who is so wrapped up in challenging me's with his me, it's hard for me to take. Anything he okay, says you regarding this, yeah, com- that, yeah. But now that's exactly what this is about: content of consciousness. Uh, who cares where he's coming from? He, in my little belief system of of advanced beings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, I there's not to me that's not you know not at the level of one like a Neem Karoli Baba that was no longer living in subjective anything. I mean, because you can even see in this talk where the priest says, kind of catches him. Okay, so you're saying you should be doing this, you know? Oh no, I'm, there's no doing anything, you know. He backs off and all of that. But you know what? You gotta Duncan, watch the Trumpa Rinpoche one because Chogim Trumpa just sits there hmm. and like it's very quiet and just lets Krishnamurti do be Krishnamurti, and like it really seems to start rattling him. Oh, yeah. like he's like I don't know that. his question to Trump or Rinpoche was something about why I add meditation to people's problems. What what's this meditation thing? <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, he like is just being very quiet and he's sitting there. He's not really answering the question, but he's in the moment with him. And then it just rattles Krishnamurti because there's nothing to he's looking yeah, for a fight. To grab onto, yeah. yeah. But the so anyway, to, so regardless, we're you know, I'm creating a fake Krishnamurti and now I'm fighting with him. So I'm doing the yeah, same right. damn you're thing. Just, yeah, you're right. I'm, in I'm there. An iter- yeah, Cage it's match. like part of it. But yeah. but, uh, but but uh, let's but I'm sorry. Go. One of the things Trump Rinpoche said that I love is. Uh, confusion is on the continuum of enlightenment and Mm. so or a condition of enlightenment so in other words the problem with the me circumference however you want to draw it is that what is the me happening inside of and so 
you know, this this is where I think the me starts running into some real uh, trouble in the sense that the the the, the, the regardless of whether you your me is your Twitter bio or you know the your recollection of how you, well, your memories or how you tend to act in any given moment, you're always thwarted by the sort of non-continuity of the damn thing. It, it doesn't it, it's always changing. Mm-hmm. You're kind of making it up in the moment. That's the problem. And you're making it up. You're having to like you're you're adhering to some meanest thing. You know what I mean? Do you know what I yeah, mean? So yeah, it's like. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. But at the same, well, he calls it, me is the mischief of the world because it's in living in separation. It's, at, it, it only is uh, in, uh, it's in fear of losing stuff. It's in yeah. hope of gaining its preferences, its choices. It's looking yes. at people. Uh, by virtue of how is that going to help me or not help me? It's yeah. at the most subtle levels, you know. So it is mischief, yeah. and um, and wh- but, well, what does he think? Like it's a mistake? No, but we're going to get there. But okay. I just want to kind of parse this a little bit. But uh, uh, just to say about Krishnamurti, yes, he's a real brain. He's you know, and he brings up stuff that's good to good to pull. Oh apart. yeah, I mean, it's he just challenges really is. everything. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and the rest of it, who cares? You know, his thing about you don't need to do practice, meditate, you know, coming on to Trumpa Rinpoche. <laughs> about med- I mean, Trung- Trungpa Rinpoche, uh, you know, is a highly, highly advanced uh, being, was, is, whatever. Whatever. And uh, it, I would be taking that kind of advice in terms of the ways in which he discussed, uh, you know, what meditation really is, is moving into the gap, for instance, be- between thoughts. And, and that is the way in which one can transform this deep grasping onto the story we tell ourselves, the me. But one of the things so that he advice is probably not the right word for him because there's no advice, there's nothing. Uh, but being honest Otherwise, one tends to deceive oneself. So mm. we did this whole thing with Ram Dass. <clears throat> uh, my friend David Silver and I, uh, who I started the Mind Rolling podcast with. Yes. And because uh, I always felt like one of the biggest things I got from Ram Dass when I first met him and then all the way through the years was his ability for self-honesty. Not yeah. to bullshit himself, and yeah. that that was like, I got to say that's right at the top few. If if I'm to say what I got from Ramdas over all those years, that was right at the very top few. Yeah. The ability to do that because there's so much fear around being on, which is why I wanted to do this this whole journey with with you around the movie of me to the movie of us. And I've said this more than once to you. I just, I was getting so sick of, you know, I had enough honesty, I thought, to see the sickness. The sickness meaning the mischief that, and I like that word mischief better than sickness in terms of the, of, of the transparency of the motivations, which are so uh, self-interested, self-cherishing and all of those great Buddhist terms. uh, It just got to the point where 
got to do something. And in the doing of it between you and I over these last couple of years, probably more, in the doing of it, we have come to be able to maybe offer something uh, that allows us to be clear about how uh, the effect of, of living in this kind of separate re reality yeah. and how it's affecting us so deeply and it's affecting everything around us. And so, yeah, self-honesty is, a, is a, a primary way in which we can really uh, look at ourselves and not run away. Well, yeah, yeah. I think that that looking at yourself, self knowing, that's the yeah that that's the that's the start start of it. I mean, again, like not to keep beating up on Krishnamurti, but come on, yeah, <laughs> he's like the grumpiest. He can take it. He's I'll run grump. over to his center and after this, and... he just seemed gr every single. Th I'm sorry, all the Krishnamurti fans out there. I I, I don't. I haven't. It's just, to me, it's just like I got to go with my instincts here. And I think the reason, whenever you see, whenever I like leave some encounter with Krishnamurti, just thinking like, ugh, no thanks, is versus Ramdas is because Krishnamurti is of course he's going to use the word mischief. He's like a get out of my yard kid person. You know what I mean? <laughs> mischief. Whereas Ramdas, he invites you to look at yourself like it's a flower. Look at all that karma. Look at that. And love it. It's not looking at yourself like, oh, this mischief here. Oh, this mistake of the universe. Oh, this aberration and the great cosmic everythingness that I am. Whereas Krishnamurti is like, ah, oh, the mischief of the world. Ah, get out of town, Krishnamurti. No thanks. I like the, because <laughs> let's, if we really are going to be honest, Let's talk about. If we really are. Let's talk about Come that. On, let's talk about that moment when you've lost control, hmm. and you've become your worst you. Maybe it's in the moment. Maybe it's the repercussion afterwards when you find yourself sitting by yourself, feeling all of it. And I'm not saying the guilt or the shame, but also the righteousness and the power and all of it mixed in together, and the mournfulness and the sadness. Hmm. But in that moment where you weren't Ramdas or Krishnamurti or whoever you imagined you might be in some incarnation, but were actually you, 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 you encounter truth. And when you're looking at it afterwards, you're, you're not seeing it like, oh, I, that's who I want to be. But if you for a second, don't judge it. And you're like, this is my karma. This is who I am right now for real. And it's, it, it isn't right. It's not good. Or it doesn't, it is mischievous or it doesn't fit into the idea of a harmonious world, but it's real. And that's where I'm at here, not whatever the fuck I thought I was, but no, this is you, this is me for real. This density, the anger, the, the, you know, the potential to cause untold pain to those around me, the potential to lose everything and all of it. Those moments, I think it's worth noting that that thing is very, very powerful. And that thing is very, is, is not all bad. In fact, I don't know if it's bad at all. It just is. There, it yeah, just, just is. is. There's no bad or good. There's, it just is. That's but. it. So when Krishnamurti is applying mischief or terms like that to the damn thing, I think that it, to me, it represents more of a bad mood than some like assessment of the thing. And I don't think it's going to help. 
Yeah, anything. but I think, it, but to me, it's just tone. I mean, you who've been doing podcasts forever. Yeah. And me, when I, I learned this when I was in, doing radio way back in the day. It's all about tone, and you know, I can say, for instance, yeah, you know, when something goes awry, and I see it, and I can, I can say, gee, there's mischievous me happening again. I can say it in a way that it is uh, guilt, shame, judgmental, and so on, or I can say it in a way, and this is how the difference between Krishnamurti, probably what you're trying to say, and Ramdas is have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Oh, there's that mischievous little guy again. He's just trying to hold on, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So I, I really think it's in the tone. Now, where this comes round to is interesting because where he came around to it in, in this uh, dialogue that he had with this priest was around perspective, that that was the entire game changer. And it made me think, okay, so what are we talking about? We're talking about, you know, we've been using Ramdas as our centerpiece here of somebody yeah. who was very much human and very much able to let go of the me in the moment. And uh, you, when I first brought you to, uh, to Ramdas's house, I mean, you just were swimming in that where there yes. was no necessity to be or not be anything and there was no judgment there was nothing but a just a spacious quality of a total acceptance yes and he was able to do that but the perspective so like i just mentioned this tonal thing around the word mischief tonally it can be just a completely bullshit judgmental asshole thing or tonally it can be a humorous spacious thing yeah. So what's the perspective? So the perspective, and Ramdas brought this out the last maybe 10 years he was in Maui, right? I think you were there for most of the last 10 years. And loving awareness. That yeah. was the perspective. He was saying, you easily can take a few breaths into the center of your being, into the center of your chest, and move that consciousness yeah. out of the me story into the unity story. Yeah. And from there, you can laugh about all of it and not take yourself so seriously, self-serious. Yeah. And you don't, aren't judging yourself or anybody else. You're not moving towards the preference to be comfy or the, or pushing away the tough stuff in, in life. Your your perspective is the key. And that and this is what, you know, he ended up saying this uh, as well, Krishnamurti. I'm defending Krishnamurti now against you because you have defiled this extraordinary philosophical <laughs> saint. <laughs> That's what he did to everybody else. <laughs> You're allowed. He yeah. gave us all permission to do that. The, yeah. the, the, um, the yeah to to me um the idea of unconditional positive regard carl rogers rogerian therapy it's because he couldn't I, I i don't i think when carl rogers came up with the term unconditional positive regard uh 
he said he he knew he couldn't say love and be respected by academics, so he had to come up with another. I don't word know him, Carl Rogers. I'm okay. You're okay, Rogerian. Hmm. Well, so oh, yeah, I've the, heard that, but I don't know the name. The, so the, the is this is the, one of the great stories that they taught. What that they told about Carl Rogers when I was in school was uh, that it stuck with me, and it's what Ramdas uh, was so that spaciousness that you're talking about, and it's what apparently Neem Karoli Baba did, and I guess you could say Ramdas is a reflection of that spaciousness. But some kid was about to get basically put into like a juvenile detention facility because he was misbehaving so much, you know. But I think it was a very young kid, so it didn't make you know it's like too young to be this like out of control and everyone had tried everything. And so Carl Rogers had them bring the kid to him. And this kid walks into his uh, office and the way Rogers describes this kid looking at him is like, this is a kid who's been to God knows how many therapists already pissed off that he's got to go to another one. Doesn't give a shit about any of this. And sitting on Carl Rogers desk, it's like crayons and paper. And the kid says to him, I'm not something on the lines. I'm not going to fucking talk. And Carl Rogers said, oh, you don't have to talk. And the kid just starts drawing for the whole hour. Hmm. Carl Rogers just sits there trying to hold a space of unconditional positive regard for this poor kid who everybody was trying to change. Everybody was saying, mischief, mischief, mischief. You better be better. You better be this or that. And suddenly he's in the presence of someone who's like, just do your thing as you are right now. The kid comes back, same thing. Comes back, starts talking a little bit. And then as the story goes, the kid, all the teachers are like, what have you been doing? What? He's a completely different person. <laughs> and all that had happened was this genius was letting a child be themselves without with nothing. And it, it reminds me of the story Ramdas tells about Neem Karoli Baba, where he, maybe it's transmitted in a look or something, but mm. he, the, within the look is, when do you want to, when do you want to do this? You want to keep reincarnating forever? That's okay. You can play the game for as long as you want, or as, as you don't have to play it anymore if you don't want to. I'm the thing that I'm the non-playing of the game, but however you want to do it. And within that spaciousness, that seems to be where the transformation happens. And from the quantum perspective, not to try to put it into some pop science bullshit, <laughs> it's really interesting the way at the quantum level, photons act as a particle and a wave simultaneously. And But if you observe it, it pops into one or the other. But somehow the effect of observation forces it into either showing up as a particle, showing up as a wave. My physicist mm. friends out there, I'm sorry if I fucked it up. But I spent some time watching various um, versions of this thing, which I believe is called the double slit experiment, where you shoot light through and there's a way to show it as a wave or a particle. But a superposition is the name for when something is th these two seemingly completely different things simultaneously. And so... In thinking about meditation, non-judgmental awareness, unconditional positive regard, I feel like it's that moment of allowing yourself to simultaneously be a me, the particle of identity, 
and the great ocean of everythingness. These two things somehow existing simultaneously, meaning that we're not in the act of some demo crew trying to knock a building down anymore. It's just part of what we are. It's the particle. It's not mischievous. Is a particle of light mischievous? No, but it's not everything we are. We're no, also wait, wait, the- no, come on. It's, it's um, the mischievous part is, I mean, uh, not to harp on this, but the mischievous I'm part sorry. is just the self-interested part, okay? It's the part of us that wants to protect our territory, wants to take advantage in every way so that we can advance ourselves in whatever way that makes makes us feel more comfy, more powerful, all of that. So that's just, that's just that part. But you're absolutely right. This isn't about uh, okay, we're we're we don't have that old me anymore. We're going to live in the undivided now, and where we recognize yeah. where you know the particles and the waves are are one, and we're not seeing them separate. Uh, yeah, right. That's not a reality. We are human. We yeah. have got to operate. It's part of our humanness on a day to day basis. Uh, as I mean, it's boy. There's a great story. I don't know if I can tell this though and and it and it fits but basically it's the idea of you are a me you've got the me you yes. you became the separate me when you were given a name and then move forward and you've got all of the grasping all of the terror of the causes and conditions that have made you whatever that me is and then you start to wake up and you start to think, okay, wait, there is another possibility. You do that through psychedelics. You do it through hearing a talk of Ramdas or anybody, or Alan Watts. You do it through meeting somebody. You do it just you and I, what we've been doing, the way in which we're sharing this creates the possibility and the new perspective. And once you have that, all that happens in my mind is there's a... a a lessening of that grasping yeah. that makes you so, uh, uh, the feeling of separation is so powerful by, the, by this grasping that you have no way of having a harmonious interaction with the environment, with, your, with the people that you're in relation to, with your work, yeah. with any of it. And I think that that's what really needs to uh, be understood. I'm Krishnamurti needs Look, to be would... understood. He wouldn't like that. Uh, that's what comes about once we step onto a path of knowing that there is something beyond this Mimi land. Yes, and 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 I, like there's a, a, a so many different methods. Re- related around sort of loosening the yeah. grasping or loosening the, it's really more like a, I think grasping is a, it's more like a muscle spasm. It's like when you have a really bad leg cramp, except you're the universe <laughs> having the leg, leg cramp. And it's a little, it, it is painful. But again, it's, for me, the. Uh, it is painful. You got, that's an important leg thing. Cr- cramping is painful. I mean, yeah. I mean. The, and it gets to the point where you can't, you can't stand it, you know. Well, but, and, but then, but then also, th- this is this is this is where we get into the really interesting addictive quality of of mm. it, like or the subtle nuances of the thing, which is again, like suddenly, 
your relationship. So at first, your relationship with yourself is is naturally undifferentiated in the sense that you just think you're your mom, you're part of the ocean of isness. And then you begin to um, differentiate from your parents and suddenly you're a you and now you're going to, you want things your way. This is the toddler situation. And then this continues to like crystallize until you become an adult, which is just like a sort of neurological thumbprint of various habituations that you've assembled as a whatever you think you are but the 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 what what's been quite useful to me has not well first of all what hasn't worked for me is the destructive approach which a lot of people are into these days god knows you get the emails i do too where people are like i obliterated my ego on 3000 micrograms of lsd my in the language is always War language, obliterated, <laughs> smashed, demolished, yeah. Yeah. and and you know, but and so it, it, the language itself demonstrates number one the recognition of oh god, this thing called my me is ca- causing so much pain that I want to go to fucking war with it. Yeah. But then also yeah. it seems to be a little bit of ignorance in the sense like wait, so you're going to try to relieve yourself of the pain of the me by blowing it up. By exploding it, by, (laughs) you know, dropping bombs on it. How's that going to work? So, by the way, Ram Dass, he used to say, like he'd advise people, if you have dark thoughts, he first started out going, love them to death. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, he, you know, he's, it's too violent. That kind of, that leads you into something that is even further polarizing. Yeah. Just well, again, we're, we're a war culture. We've yeah, been, our, 93% yeah. of American history, is, we've been at war. So we're like Klingons, essentially, in Star Trek. Like we, the way we mm. understand the world is, is war and conquering and colonization. And so we take that approach of, of, against our own, ourselves when we start having some recognition of our suffering and, and, um, but yeah, anyway, the point is like the, that idea of uh, confusion being a condition of enlightenment, I, I, I've always loved it and I didn't understand it at first. I think I understand it a little more now, but I guess the way to, David Nickturn told me this funny joke, a funny spiritual joke, and there's a lot of shitty spiritual jokes. I'll probably butcher <laughs> it, but basically uh, I think... Uh, Student is on one side of a river. His teacher's on the other side of the river. And he yells to his teacher, I want to get to the other shore. And his teacher yells back, you are on the other shore. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, do you know what I mean? So it's like where it gets addictive for the addiction to really work or the spiritual high thing to work, you have to create another shore. And now you've got the spiritual path. And now you're on a journey from the profane to the sacred. And within that journey, there's all these chances to get completely blasted, you know, because, oh, my God, now you're having this cherished moment because truly you've you're melting like a sugar cube into the ocean. But then all of a sudden you're not anymore and you're back down to your shitty self again. Ah, and then you're melting again and back. And now all you're doing is getting high. That's all you're doing is, is doing this weird form of spiritual, um, 
uh, bypass. You, it's called. I don't know if it's. I mean, like it's in bypass one, in that it's 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 just feeding the same ego that was being fed before there was a spiritual path for, in one's life. And I'm referring to this thing that was discussed in this book, which I'll, I'll tell you right now. Yeah, uh, it's called. It's by. Hold on one second. It's called. Um, let me open my Audible here. Wonderful, wonderful Buddhist scripture called. What? Um, oh God, let me find it. It's one of the key Buddhist. It's about bodhicitta aspiration. Mm. Oh yeah, it's called Way of the Bodhisattva by Shanti Dave. Oh yeah, Very yeah. Oh, wonderful. I mean, that's incredible. Wonderful, and he's talking about this bodhicitta idea, and uh, but he's mentioning all these different things you can do as someone who's waking up, or however you want to put it, or cultivating bodhicitta moving through the realms. And one of the things you can do is actually cultivate this compassion, loving awareness, mindfulness to a certain degree where you begin to experience all the awesome things that go along with, with it, which are, I, I, I think are, could best be described as little miracles all the time or little synchronicities or mm -hmm. the relief that comes from you know, recognizing you're just in a bad dream and you're probably going to wake up soon. It's really quite nice. But there's a possibility here within even that of intentionally going back to sleep, putting yourself back to sleep because of the thrilling exhilaration of waking back up. You essentially turn yourself into this fucking yo-yo. It's true. I'm telling you people do it all the time. And I, and I think part of the problem, so to speak, is that it might just be that this way that things are, all of the you-ness and all the meanness and all the confusion is just the way things are. Doesn't get better. Doesn't get worse. This is it. And people, that's intolerable. It's intolerable. Because the great dream is there's this thing around the corner that once I do the chakra exercises and the purifications and the mantras and the thing and get the initiation and then get the thing and then get all that and then somewhere around the corner is great hope. But what if it is, is hopeless in the sense, no, you're there. Deal with that. Holy fuck, it can't be. You mean just this? No, then I've just gotta be me. Then I can't exert aggression against myself. So now what am I going to do? Wait, wait, let's I like to think of this in in practical terms uh, as to that once the shift starts to happen, I've had a shift over many decades that I can that I have noticed and that is really what I only thing I am concerned about for myself and you and others that are around me is Moving in the perspective shifts without, I, I don't even know why. Yes, I do practices. Yes, I've been with incredible beings. Yes, starting with Neem Karoli Baba and ending there, really, and hanging out with Ramdas as much as I did. But something happens, and it's due to something that I was going to tell this story a, a little earlier. It's called grace. Yeah. And something happens. So, but the practical uh, application of it is certainly I am not reactive the way that I was earlier in my life. Period. Right. I am not. 
and uh, it has helped me with the anger issues that I've carried in this life. Uh, it has helped me with uh, just being more open, and I talk about that openness, that spaciousness, that self-honesty, the 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 um, the way in which uh, Ramdas talks about loving that quote unquote Krishnamurti mischief. mischief. It's uh, it's it's just a happening. Yeah, it is inevitable. It's an inevitable happening. Yeah, it is our uh, uh, human. Uh, the human reality is certainly this ego, me, me thing, and and getting entrapped. And uh, and you're saying, well, people fall asleep so they can wake up again because it's so much fun. They do. You know, and maybe that's, you know, I would say that people do a lot of uh, psychedelics just for the experience. That may be true. Very and true. And retreats. Yeah. And retreats and whatever, meditation core. But again, it's all in, I say it's tone when we talk about a, a word like mischief that we've been talking about. It's all in... Um, it's an inten honest intention allows yes. for transformation. That I love. That I love. The honest intention. That yeah. I love. And that took me a long time to get to, to that one. And I love it. And I think that that's, if, if you are trying to find, and I'm saying hold on to something, but to me it seems more like a mnemonic device than anything, which is, you know, in all the like, you were describing you're reading some beautiful Buddhist description of death as being like being in a blizzard and, or, or like the, like so dizzying and so lost. Um, so, you know, I do like having a little, an intention like that, that I can refer to when I've lost all reason or all like, wait, what was I even doing any of this for? What, what was I doing this for? I don't even know what any of this shit is. Just that little intention of like, okay, I, I'm going to try to be a little kinder today. Hmm. Or it's like in Annie Lamont's new book, I believe she put just trying to be a little God. I think her, their prayer was God, let me be a little, le little less of an asshole. Today. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But just some simple, simple, yeah. simple, simple thing like that. Totally. So, so that I have a thing, but then part of, to me, part of being less of an asshole, having really become adept in earlier years at beating myself up, and hating myself and all the various methods I used to sort of hurt myself, uh, it, it didn't achieve the goal of some kind of stable happiness. So, um, uh, and if it did, I think we'd be living in a paradise world. In other words, like we, if we're going to go back to like, we need some subjective methodology for improving our internal ecosystem, which maybe then will reflect into the world. I think the first step has got to be peace. We're like, in other words, we're calling an end to this war against the mischief person, mm. yep. the mischief man. And mm -hmm. I, maybe we're not going to get along for a while. And maybe the things the mischief man wants to do, like snort ketamine for the next 50 years straight. And what <laughs> I need to do is Good a, idea. <laughs> what I need to do as a as a father and a husband and a provider, don't mix. And I'm going to be the one calling the shots in that regard, the father part, not the mischief man. Also, I understand why. And I know why 
that he wants to do that. I know why he likes it, and I and I understand why the addiction is there, and I under and I get it. But all I'm saying is the war mentality, even using the language of war to refer to ourselves, uh, is not useful. So to me, there's a big relief mm. in what you're saying. The relief yeah. being, this is a process. Like you're not really quite in this. You might not be in control at all, but. And that scares the shit out of the mischief man because the mischief man wants to be in complete control of everything. But when you start recognizing, oh, wonderful. Like when I look back and think, wait, how did I even meet Raghu? Well, how did I get to end up at Ram Dass's house? Or why do I get to have pictures of Neem Karoli Baba all over my house now? Why do I get to have that? Or why did my child in the womb get to be in the presence of Ram Dass or any of these things? Like when I look back and think, what was the right thing I did? Like what, uh, what was the thing to deserve that? Uh, and when you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then when you realize, oh, I don't know that there was, or if there was, I, there wasn't. Okay, I, here, this brings up the story that if, that's my third time saying, gee, I don't know if I should tell this story. Well, it's not, should I, I tell I love your it's, stories. No, no, you don't. You hate all those miracles stories. Uh, <laughs> ah, that was earlier. That oh, was yeah, earlier. Right. Now you love. Okay, I'll give you a whole bunch. I don't but this love isn't them, about but that. I like them. This isn't about that. This, well, this is a this is a story that's been told many times, but it's so apropos to what you just said, what we've been talking about, because everything we're talking about is in duality, right? It's right. trying to fix. No, don't fix. Krishna Burti said, "There's no fixing. There's no process. There's no nothing. There's just yeah. perspective that takes place." This is a conversation that Ramdas had with Neem Karoli Baba in Allahabad one day many years ago, where Ramdas said, Maharaji, is it not true that karma and grace are the same? How hmm. could they be different? Action and grace. That's intense. And Mahar you know the story, but Maharaji's. No. I don't remember well, it. It's already oh, really? cut well, it off. What's good? Uh, you know, I love people who have no memories anymore. I can tell the story <laughs> and they act like they never heard it before. It's like so refreshing. Uh, anyhow, he said, Ramdas, I am not talking. I uh, This is not something I'm going to, I can talk about. He didn't say it exactly like, this is not something that I'm going to talk about in public. Yes. There, was, there wasn't anybody there except us, you know. So later in the day, in that day, Dada Mukherjee, the great, by his grace, get that book. You want to know anything about Neem Karoli Baba? That's the book. It is good. Uh, I just threw that in there because it's true. Um, he came to Ramdas and said, Ramdas, Maharaji said to tell you that. Ramdas and I understand each other mm. quite well. Wow. So Ramdas thought, okay, must be that they are, and he couldn't talk about it, and so on and so forth. Uh, fast forward to not that long ago, maybe about eight years ago, I was in India with Siddhima, who was with Maharaji forever and is a saint in her own right. It was our Indian mother, just an extraordinary being. I asked her, I said, I told her that whole story and I said, what's the truth, Ma? And she said, it is true that they are one, but no, human minds 
cannot fathom that. Mm. You need to act as if they are not one. <laughs> right. In until the other thing happens, which is ineffable and we can't talk about, we have no idea about, where you lose complete right uh, subject-object, then you are now just part of uh, the universal divine presence, whatever the hell we want to call it. So in your, in your case, in my case, how the hell did I end up in India? You're, I'm saying the same thing as you. You know, how did I end up in the pool with Ramdas? You know, I was in, a, I was in terrible shape. I, you say, I say the same. I was in terrible shape. How the hell did I end up in looking in Ram Dass's eyes and going, wow, I trust this guy. Yeah. Period. And that pushed me to India. To I, I had to meet whoever the hell it was that he trusted. I had to meet. And I went and did that. How yeah. did that all happen? Be, there is something going on that is not able to be understood by our minds. Well, period. yeah, it's, it's something we, we, outside we of have, time and uh, we, we just, at one point, we, we don't try and figure it out. Actually, Maharaji said, stop trying to figure anything else. <laughs> don't try and figure it out, okay? And we tr stop. And at the moment we stop and surrender into the moment, into um, the moment of, and the Buddhists have so much great terminology about being in the uh, awareness moment, being uh, Trumpas between the gaps, in, in the gap between the thoughts, rather, we suddenly trust that. And once we trust that, mm. then that perspective that we've been talking about where we are not judging, our, we are coming from a place yeah. that Ramdas called loving awareness. We are not judging ourselves. We are not judging other people. We are not trying to uh, change things. We are not trying to have preferences. We are not trying to push shit away that seems we accept the fact that we are human. We have suffering. We have to, the little me mischief may, he's a sweet guy actually. We're going to let him do his thing and yeah. just, uh, you know, just like a little bit of loving will allow it to be less pernicious and we can be a little kinder. Love it. See, this thing, and I, I think it's really important to underline what you just said and stick it in your heart. Because it's like the moment that you allow yourself this possibility of there being something more going on. It's really such a, a, a wonderful relief. Mm, and big time. You know, I because I some mo these moments happen in our family where all of a sudden, I don't know, like the other day, we're listening to Enya and Forrest is like really listening to Oh, don't to make Forrest listen to Enya. Come ah, on. You Monster, demon, mischief man. No, <laughs> give me a break. It was beautiful. My mom yeah, used to beautiful. like it. You I know, I just had to. She lives it. in a castle full of cats. You're going to judge her. She's the coolest, <laughs> cool as it gets. But like, we're sitting there listening to it, forced eating dinner, Aaron's breastfeeding Dune. Everyone's just in the moment and it's all love. And, but it's, you know, it's like something has come into the room. I don't know what it is. It's so one, it's all, and it's the only place you want to be. You never want to be out of that place. We're all feeling it. No one's going to say it in the moment. No one's going to be like, oh, oh, the transcendent has descended upon our house. 
because you, that you, yeah. you it's outside it, it, of wor- words. It's dirty, even that. <laughs> yeah, dirt. yeah, exactly. Or like when uh, after Ramdas married Aaron and I, and Krishnadas is playing music and everyone is chanting, happened. Something came into the room. I don't know what that is. Same thing that came, and, and but when it came into the room, then I remember thinking. Well, that's just because I'm at Ramdas's house, or I don't know. They they know what that is, but I'm not going to mention it because I don't want to mess it up. Little mischief guy. Yeah, why well, say it out loud? But then, but then now I now I know a little bit more about what that was that came into the room, and I know it's not limited to Ramdas's house. I know it's not limited to me being around my family or not being around my family. But also, I know I can't make it happen. It doesn't seem to obey my desire for it you know which is another but, thing i love that ramdas said which is if you desire realization that's just another desire <laughs> like you can't so but there's intention and you've been fulfilling the intention for so many years now um that intention is sharing you absolutely want to share whatever has come to you that uh, feels good or feels like uh, enlightening or anything, all of the stuff, you know, you have that wonderful crystal mind that loves to learn and assimilate stuff. And you have been sharing it on this, uh, well, this is mind rolling, but on Duncan Trussell Family Hour for years and years. You're the, you're the only reason I'm sitting here doing this right oh, now please. with you. No other reason. So you are doing it. And it's that intention that it's, you know, back to His Holiness, the Dalai Lama's most simple, simple uh, kindness is my only religion. That. That's, that's all it. we got. That's it, all that's we got. That's, that's all, we, all got. we got. And then, so there's nothing to do but share that. And the and the little mischief guy, we, Krishnamurti, we got to love him too. Tell know? that to Aaron. But <laughs> <laughs> he's not it. I, I think I can. We're going to love him. We're going to learn to love him. That's the purpose. That is the yeah. point of this podcast. Learn I think to if love we can, that. I think if we can do that, learn to love this thing, mm. and not bullshit love either. Yeah, but no, love no, it unconditional positive regard the way Carl mm-hmm. Rogers loved that kid, or the way that Neem or Mister Rogers, or Mister Rogers, the real deal. But you know, if we all started doing that. Mm. my um i i do i do think that like we're getting the cart in front of the horse if we think that the way to stopping environmental collapse is through going to war with ourselves it's just not going to work no. because no, we're I part know. of the earth too and a house divided upon itself cannot it's, stand yeah, yeah so we yeah. have to figure out a way to stop the war inside yeah and, and then maybe from that all the other stuff Maybe absolutely one billion percent, and we're gonna end this podcast on that note. Stop the war inside ourselves. You know, I did a podcast with uh, a, a fantastic uh, uh, monk from the Thich Nhat Han tradition, mm. Chengdu, and uh, he went on about that very thing. What what happened to him is he was with. Uh, in uh, Plum Village with Thich Nhat Hanh for 17 years or something as a monk. He said, I was the best monk you could ever be doing everything exactly right. And he said, not 
Nothing happened to me. <laughs> Zero. I didn't change. <laughs> Nothing. So I dropped my robes. He said, that's yeah. when it happened of its own. I was just too much of doing, 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 doing. And he talked about while I was there as a monk for 17 years, all I had was a war going on inside myself. Yeah. Just what we were just talking about. And then once that left, then suddenly that realization came and that war started to evaporate. And that's what it's all about for all of us, as far as I can. You're the best. I'm so lucky we're friends. I love you. You're the I love you. best. Never mind. <laughs> we have a mutual admiration society. Thank you so much, Duncan. <laughs> Anytime. This tang, I mean, you know, I don't even consider this a podcast. No. I mean, we do this, by the way. I can't, folks out there, I can't tell you how many times we just get on the phone and we're just talking or whatever, yeah. and it gets into an extended conversation. And I go, Well, this is the same thing as a podcast. We ought to record the damn thing whenever ah, we get on. You know, I do the so. same thing. When yeah. I'm having a great conversation, I'm like, let's monetize this. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but we're now we're not gonna we're not gonna get into ourselves and go, you cheap piece of shit. We're it's gonna how we go. Get our yeah, grub. it's just it's how we get our grub. Yes, we lovely little mischief guy. That's what I'll we'll call this, the little mischief guy. Little mischief man. Yeah, yeah. All well, right, thank Raghu, you, thank, thank you, you for thank letting you. me be on the show uh, again. We'll throw some stuff up, everybody, you know, with show notes and links yep. and all the stuff that uh, Duncan taught me way back <laughs> when. Every detail, including how to hit the record button properly. What are you talking uh, about? How to hit the record button? Well, you gave me exactly the equipment, how to use it, and the whole nine yards. You don't remember. You did it. I don't remember my that. Guru. <laughs> well, <laughs> my guru. Yeah, because podcasting is so complicated. Uh, no, but it's not it, exactly like launching missiles into the air. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I just it's like you get a recorder and uh, you need the internet. All right, everybody, we'll see you again on uh, Mind Rolling on Be Here Now Network. Go to BeHereNowNetwork.com and get, oh, God, you know, Duncan, what's coming what? up? What? Uh, we, we've got uh, this fabulous series called Under the Teaching Tree. The Ojai Foundation nearby here uh, had these wonderful, wonderful uh, teachers come from Thich Nhat Hanh to Ram Dass to uh, uh, Joan Halifax to uh, Gary Snyder. We we're going to be presenting Gary. Do you know who Gary Snyder is? The name's familiar. Oh, God. You're kidding. Well, he's he's still with us. He's very, he's in his 90s. Anyhow, Gary is just wonderful. So we have this whole series coming up that is, uh, I'm really, really proud to present. So yeah, we here now network. It's, uh, we is happening. Okay, mm -hmm. we'll see you later.